Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 75. Well, here we are. It's the last episode of the year, the last episode of 2022. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast, my friends. I am actually recording this episode from my hotel room in Reykjavik, Iceland, where I'm here on a holiday with my husband. I actually just finished a yoga retreat with my good friend, Tara Stiles. And I have a few days here to explore the city and spend some time walking around and really reflecting on my yoga retreat, but also reflecting on this past year. And as I was thinking about what to talk about on this last episode of the year, this 2022 reflections episode, I first thought about sharing my year end review ritual that I do every year. And then I thought about thinking of five lessons I've learned this year. And I even outlined what I would talk about for each of those topics. And then I started recording each one and then I scrapped each of them. So here I am recording this episode for now the third time. Because the truth is that those first two topics, while they're really interesting and helpful, don't really feel as important as one thing that happened this year and the impact that it's had on me, the stuff that it's brought up for me, the feelings I've had to sit in, the old stories that I've had to rewrite. And I'm crying already and I haven't even started telling you the story. In August, my dog Mia died. And it's one of the hardest things that I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, I've had children and, you know, gone through childbirth and had other people die. But losing this sweet little dog has literally crushed me. You know, you'd think that as a doctor, I've had to deal with so much death in my profession that I'd be able to get through this pretty well. But this, this absolutely brought me to my knees. I've been in the room of so many patients as family members say goodbye. I've been at the bedside of so many patients when they've coded in the emergency room. In fact, I was the only person sitting in the room when my father-in-law took his last breath. And while every one of those experiences was really heartbreaking for me, Holding my Mia as she took her last breath was gut-wrenching. It broke my heart into a million pieces and is the single most difficult thing I've ever done. And I've spent a lot of time since August 28th, the day that she died, over the past three and a half months, thinking about Mia, thinking about why this is so hard for me. Thinking about why this loss has affected me so deeply and so profoundly. And I have to be really honest, I'm really nervous about sharing this with all of you. And it's the reason that this was the third attempt at recording this podcast episode, because 
I knew I wanted to talk about Mia and how this has affected me, but I didn't know if I could do it. And so here I am. Because the truth is, is that, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, Mia's death is about so much more than Mia dying. You know, the first few days and weeks after Mia died, I'd come home and look everywhere for her. I know this is common. So many people who have pets tell me this happens to them. I'd come in the door and wait for her to greet me. And she wasn't there at the door wagging her tail and jumping on me. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and reach for her. And she wasn't there snuggled against my leg or with her head on my stomach. I'd go for a shower and she wouldn't be there sitting on the bathroom floor outside the shower waiting for me. And I'd cry all day long in those first weeks and months because everything reminded me of my Mia. And then two months passed and I was still crying all the time. And I realized that there was more underneath the grief of missing her. I started to feel deep loneliness when I was at home because this sweet little dog, Mia, was always sitting in my lap or sitting next to me on the floor. In fact, any time that I recorded this podcast, she was either in my lap or sitting in my chair right behind me with her nose pressed up against my back. Literally, anytime I would interview anybody, she would pop up on the screen and my guest would see her on Zoom. This sweet little dog was literally attached to me all the time. And so the loneliness was so deep. It was even deeper than just feeling alone because she wasn't there. It was really, really deep. And even as I'm saying this right now, I can feel the loneliness deep in every cell of my being. And as I sat in the loneliness and the sadness, I began to feel what I have always felt. I began to feel what I felt as a child. You know, I have a very loving family. My parents and my sister have always loved me so deeply. But the loneliness never came from not being loved. It came from never feeling like I really belonged. Like I never really had anyone else to depend on besides my parents and sister. Like I was always alone. And actually, it's even more than that, because although the love of my parents and sister was always there when I was little and, and, and continues to be, love from others, love from other human beings is conditional, however hard they might try to make love unconditional, because we're human and by definition, imperfect beings who love imperfectly. and so. We can't help but make love conditional, no matter how hard we may try to otherwise. What I realized is that the love that I received from Mia, from this sweet little dog, was the only truly unconditional love that I have ever experienced in this lifetime. Again, I have a very loving family. I have the most loving parents, the most loving siblings, the most loving husband, the most loving children. And the love I had for Mia was very different and made me feel like I was unconditionally loved and never alone. And so that's where this deep sadness and loneliness is coming from. You know, as someone who's spent her life giving to others because of my personality, because of my chosen profession as a physician, 
because of my roles in my family as a daughter, a wife, a mother, a sister, a friend, I didn't realize how much Mia gave to me so that I could give to others. Mia gave me the unconditional love. She gave me the energy, the sustenance to be able to give to others. And while I'd love to say that following Ayurvedic principles and practices was the way out, that somehow it made everything all better, I can't say that. Nothing can take away the pain of old stories and the feelings that those stories bring up. And the pain of old stories and the feelings that they brought to the surface for me after Mia died. Honestly, there were days when I just wanted to say, F this. I'm done. I don't want to feel these feelings. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to go back to those old stories. I don't want to face all that stuff. You know, as many of you know, I got a book deal in July for my second book with Sounds True Publishing, one of the biggest publishers in transformational self-help that there is. You know, something that I wanted to do so that my work would reach more people. And suddenly when Mia died, I was ready to just say, forget it. I can't do this. Because writing a book, creating something and putting it out into the world for everyone to read, well, that in and of itself was bringing up all kinds of old stuff for me from childhood. And then you add on top of that my grief over Mia and all the stories that was bringing up, it just felt like too much. And I was like, forget it. And of course, I didn't do that. Instead, I sat in the feelings and it was so hard. I had to do more than just talk the talk. I had to follow my own advice that I give to so many people, including all of you who are listening. And I had to walk the talk. I had to practice what I teach. And it took every ounce of strength and courage to feel those emotions and face those old stories. Because, you know, it's so much easier to let the old stories stay as they are, right? Because we know it's safer. It's more comfortable to just feel what we've already felt. To feel something different, to change that. That's scary because we don't know what to expect. Our brain can say logically, of course, it'll be better if you overcome this. But our bodies, our hearts, they don't quite understand that. They just feel that there's danger. There's danger in the not knowing. There's danger in the unknown. So what we know is much safer. It's more comfortable. It's so much easier to let the old stories stay as they are. But looking at the old stories, really looking at them and asking if they're true, challenging our own perceptions about what happened, challenging our own beliefs about ourselves, asking what's true and what's not true. That's hard stuff. And it almost broke me because I had to literally rewrite some very old, very convenient stories that allowed me to make excuses for myself, that allowed me to stay in a place of victimhood, of self-pity, stories that supported my deeply held beliefs about the world, about others, and ultimately about myself. It's definitely easier to be comfortable and wounded rather than facing what maybe we've been avoiding our whole lives. <laughs> 
I know that was true for me. But what I can say is that my daily practice that comes from Ayurveda of noticing what's causing my symptoms and my feelings, however subtle or obvious they may be, of asking myself, what areas of my life are causing what I'm feeling in my body or in my mind or in my heart? That conscious awareness has helped me to sit in the feelings and rewrite the old stories. Now, likely you're asking, well, that's great, Avanti, but how exactly do you practice noticing in your daily life? And it's a really good question. One that I've asked many of my teachers, mentors, and guides over the years, one that I've tried to answer. And over many years of study and trial and error and practice, I've come up with five questions that I ask myself every single morning. Now, here's the thing. It's not enough to just ask the questions. I had to be willing to answer them and answer them really honestly, like with the most brutal honesty possible. Because just going through the motions and telling myself half-truths or making excuses, well, that's staying comfortable and staying in the old stories and the old emotions. And this wasn't easy. Honestly, it really wasn't. It wasn't a cure-all. In fact, most of the time, these questions made me feel even worse. But what these questions did was to keep me in the process. I didn't abandon the process. I didn't say, fine, I don't want to play. And I just took my ball home and said, forget, I'm not playing. These questions actually kept me on the playground, kept me in the playground with my ball, willing to play the game. And so if you'll indulge me, I'd love to share the five questions that I asked myself every morning, whether I felt good or bad, to notice and be aware with the hopes that maybe this will help you too. Because I know all of us at some point in our lives are faced with things that bring up the old stuff, that bring up the old stories, that bring up the old emotions. And maybe what I've gone through and maybe the way I've learned to sit in the emotions, maybe this will help you. And so here are the questions. Number one, how am I feeling overall this morning? Now, this is an overall feeling, good or bad tired or ready to go, slow or energized. It's sort of a general pulse on how I'm feeling. You can even scale it from one to 10, whatever makes sense to you. Question number two, how am I feeling physically? Do I have any physical symptoms anywhere in my body? Name them, a headache, a stomach ache, pain in my knee, whatever it is. Question number three, how am I feeling emotionally? Like what emotions am I feeling? Where am I feeling them in my body? And it's really important to name the emotions. Anger, sadness, fear, jealousy, happiness, joy, whatever it is. Question number four, how am I feeling mentally? Do I feel overwhelmed or in control, foggy or focused? Again, a general pulse on how am I feeling in my mind? And then number five, what's been happening in the five areas of my life that affect my health? Number one, my lifestyle and routines. Number two, my diet. Number three, my relationships. Number four, my environment. And number five, my career, work, responsibilities, and passions. Now, you guys know, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, that every aspect of life affects health according to Ayurveda. 
And so after I would ask myself these five questions every single morning, I would take a quick inventory of each area of my life and think about how was it contributing to how I was feeling overall, how I felt physically, emotionally, and mentally. And then I would see if I could identify any relationships between things. So in my case, I saw a pattern of deep grief that wasn't going away and that emotionally I was feeling sadness and fear. I saw that mentally I wasn't clear. I was foggy all the time. I couldn't make decisions. And I was interpreting every difficult interaction with another person as being abandoned by them. And that's when I started to notice the old stories of being alone that were triggered by Mia's death. I saw that my diet was filled with caffeine and sugar and simple carbs that were giving me headaches and a constant feeling of being bloated. And I realized that I was using food to numb my emotional pain. So by asking myself these five questions, I was able to stay in a place of noticing, of being aware of how my choices were related to how I felt and how I felt was driving my choices. And so what I've realized is that more than any individual Ayurvedic practice, whether it's morning toxin removal with tongue scraping and a nasal saline flush or self-oil abhyanga massage or meditation or walking in nature, it's the practice of noticing, of becoming aware, of living consciously. This is what has truly changed my life and strengthen my ability to continue on my own healing journey so that I can help all of you on your healing journeys. And so as I reflect upon this past year of 2022, the year that I lost Mia, my sweet dog, my best friend that I've ever had in this lifetime, I'm even more grateful for Ayurveda, the healing medicine of my ancestors. And as we enter this new year of 2023, I will never forget the gift that Mia gave me, the unconditional love that I've always wanted. And I'll never forget the deep healing that has come from Mia's loss. To all of you, my beautiful friends, my beautiful community here on the podcast, thank you. Thank you for listening every week, for supporting my work, for giving me the gift of your time every week. As you reflect on this past year and cross over into this new year, I wish each and every one of you and your families so much joy and so much good health. I'm sending all of you so much love. Until next year, be well. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, Find me on Instagram at Avanti Kumar Singh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.